Welcome back to part two with Dr. William Morse. Ladies, ladies, you don't have to wait for someone else to show enthusiasm for you. You can do that for yourself. We can do that together. Welcome to the Cup of Glow podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva, and I have the t-shirt to prove it. The Cup of Glow podcast seeks to entertain, inform, and inspire you through serial stories and discussions prompting you, the milestone diva in our midst, to own your power. Well, I have one of those that's totally out of control. So (laughs) 75% is better than nothing. I am so proud. And those are in the order of importance. And so... Um, I'm not, you know, if I got somebody who's smoking and they don't want to quit smoking because they're afraid they'll gain weight, I'm like, quit smoking. You'll, you, as long as you don't gain 50 pounds, you're still better off not smoking. So, all yeah. right. So now I have an incentive yet again yeah. to lose a couple of pounds before my next, my next office visit. Yeah. I just, I'll be too embarrassed after you've told the world that weight loss is so important and it I'm is. not doing it. It's hard, but yeah. it's, it is one of, the, one of the most important things. I have some questions okay. from some of my Milestone Diva friends. All right. Are you ready for our white coat Q&A? Bring it on. What age is the cutoff for liposuction? I have no idea because I wouldn't recommend it. Um, liposuction is going to take off some fat, but the problem that you have with having fat is not because suddenly you have a, a fat magnet on your belly and you just get rid of it and it's no longer there. You're going to just make it again. So liposuction is going to make you look good, but it's not going to keep you healthy. I have no idea. The surgeon would be able to tell you what the cutoff is for that. I suspect it probably has to do more with how healthy you are. If you got somebody who's 80 years old and they're in a picture of health, they probably can do liposuction. I got some 50-year-olds who probably ought not to even consider it doing anything <laughs> under the knife. So yeah. I'm not considering it. Nope. Don't look at me. No, I no, wasn't. No, no. I wasn't blaming you. I, I don't. I don't have. Um, I don't. It's not one of those things I recommend because it's really more for looks than it is for health. Well, a related question was: Is 72 years old too old? It all depends on your health. I would think the best thing to do is to talk to the um, plastic surgeon who's going to be doing it and see how comfortable they are. It depends on your medical problems and that kind of stuff. I'm going to have a little talk with this friend of mine, (laughs) but I promised to ask, so I did. Yeah, good. And what about breast reduction? (laughs) What is the cutoff of breast reduction? It's going to be the same thing. I think it has more to do with your health than it does with age. Um, It... um, Everything we do in medicine has to do with risk versus benefits. And so if you're going to do something that's high risk and you're not going to get a lot of benefit from it, most people would say, don't even try it. Uh, But on the other hand, if you got something that's high, so let's say you got somebody who has a a ruptured appendix and they're 80 years old, would you do the surgery on them? Well, either that or they're going to die. So yeah, if they can tolerate it, you go for it. Uh, On the other hand, if you're getting some if you're 80 years old and you have heart disease and COPD and you're not likely to come off the ventilator and you want to do liposuction, are you sure? I mean, yeah. the, you know, those kinds of things. So it's a it's a very individual circumstance. There's not an age limit at which you go, nope, you can't do that anymore. You're you're 75 years old, 72 years old. 
So yeah, if you're in good health, if your friend is in the picture of health at 72 and she's looking to get into a, uh, to a bathing suit and she wants to look good and that's her priority, talk to a plastic surgeon, you know, they'll, they do a lot of amazing things. But um, if she's looking for something that's going to actually make her healthy, the liposuction is not going to take care of all the blocking of arteries and all those other kinds of things that are going on that go along with obesity. And so I, I don't know. I just don't see that it's going to be very helpful, but that's the best I can tell you. All right. Another question. If someone is on maintenance medication without issues, what is a good interval for visits to follow up on the meds, quarterly or semi-annually? It depends on the medical problem. For example, for uh, people who are on thyroid medicine, um, I'll check their thyroid once a year. And in fact, if they're doing fine, I might just check it. And I don't even have to talk to them about it unless there's something coming up. Uh, for diabetes and blood pressure, I like to see them and they're doing well. I like to see them about twice a year. That gives me a chance to kind of review how they're doing, look at their labs, make sure there's nothing going on, check their feet for diabetic uh, injuries and ulcers and those kinds of things. So it all kind of depends on, um, what the medical problem is, um, yeah, yeah, it it really does depend. I'd say most medical problems like blood pressure, cholesterol, diabetes, usually about six months for me. Uh, and um, for uh, other things, uh, you know, for example, attention deficit disorder, I usually see people once a year. Uh, for uh, opiates, somebody who's on opiates for chronic pain, the law requires you to see them every three months. You cannot give a prescription unless and if it's been more than three months. So that kind of draws a line in the sand for that. So it depends on the medical problem. All right. Well, let's go beyond the white coat. All right. It's behind cool. us. What do you like most about distance running? That's a great question. You know, people always look at me a little strange unless they're distance runners when I say, I do it to relax. And they're like, what? But you talk to a runner and they go, oh, yeah, I do too. Uh, I, you know, distance running is a completely different world from sprinting, from short distance running. So, and again, distance means different things to different people. Um, so for example, if you're talking to a track runner, they're going, yeah, you run two times around the track, man, that's a long run. That's half a mile. Uh, you talk to somebody who does, um, uh, five Ks and anything short of a 5k is short and, uh, you know, three miles is a, a normal distance. And boy, if you do six, that's a long way. But, uh, for for most people who really enjoy distance running, um, it's a lot longer than that. And it all depends. I mean, there are people who actually run 100 mile runs. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's not something I ever aspire to, but they do and they can get it done in uh, 36 hours. It's astounding. Um, so, I mean, but the difference is if you line up for a 5k, as soon as the gun goes off, boom, everybody takes off and they're running. And, and when I do a 5K, I'm out of breath in, th in a half a mile. I hate it. I despise that. But when you run a lineup for a, for a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles, um, you line up and, and everybody's sitting there chatting. Hey, it's been, good, been a long time since I've seen you. And then the gun goes off and you keep chatting. Hey, so tell me about your kids. How are they doing? You know, you're cruising <laughs> on down the road. You know, you're still uh, you're running because you can't go too fast. You're going to burn out. If you burn out in a mile, you still got 12 miles to go. So everybody's kind of pacing themselves and they're chatting, having a good time. You get to the turnaround about six miles down the road. And now people are just talking to their running partners. They're not doing a lot of chatting anymore. And then when you get to those last uh, two or three miles, nobody's talking to anybody. 
They're just trying to finish that race. They're usually pushing themselves about as hard as they can. So you end up running really hard for about the same distance. But I love just getting out there, getting into a kind of comfortable pace and just kind of putting some miles behind you. And when I'm running by myself, it's time for me to relax my mind, calculate my pace. I, you know, I relax when I'm, I do math problems in my head when I'm calculating, you know, when I'm just kind of trying to relax, I just kind of go, okay, that was pace there. A little bit slow for what it should be. Let me pick it up a little, that kind of stuff. So I do it. It's also one of my spiritual medicines. You know, when we talk about um, being closer to your source of spiritual health, um, God is my source of spiritual health, but I feel closer to God when I can get out and do some running once in a while. And then the little added benefit is my daughter's my trainer and I get daughter, daddy, daughter time. We get to go out and we can put some serious miles. We've done, um, we've done a few marathons together, which is, um, uh, 26.2 miles. Uh, I've done another marathon with one of my other daughters and I did a half marathon with one of my other daughters. And so that's great time, not only doing the race, but also the training. You get time to spend with them, you know, once a week. And, uh, so that's why I like distance running. It's, it's relaxing to me. It kind of lets me shed off the, all the stressors that I've got. When I'm out there running, I don't get any phone calls. I don't have anything on my calendar. I don't have a schedule to worry about. I'm just getting out and putting some miles behind me. Well, you mentioned marathons. Um, when you run, is it just for your personal goals or do you compete in anything to get a trophy or even a check? That's a great question. Um, I'm a very unconventional runner and anybody that's listening to this is going to just gasp when they hear, but I only run once a week. Even when I'm running a marathon and training for a marathon, I only run once a week. And there are a few of us that do that, but as a once a week runner, I'm not beating anybody out there. My goal is to beat the 70 and 80 year olds. If I can do that, I'm like, all right, you know, um, but I'm running against myself. I know what my personal records are for all the distance, distances in between and all that kind of stuff. And so, although I usually do run races uh, because that's a deadline and you put that deadline on and now you got a training schedule to keep up with that deadline. And there's a certain energy when you're getting out for a race to run, but I have no visions of being anywhere close to getting any kind of um, uh, award for first, second, or third place. I, I'm going to have to be about 70 or 80 before I start getting any of those again. Oh. Um, but I do, but one of the things that's interesting is whenever you run a, um, whenever you run a marathon, everybody gets a ribbon. Everybody gets a medal. If you finished a marathon, everybody gets a medal. Okay. Even the person who comes in last because you just finished 26.2 miles. So victory is in doing it. All yeah. right. Yeah. All you right. don't get, you don't do marathons for your health. It's really brutal on the body. You do it to prove that you can do it. Um, you get distances lower than that. It's actually probably healthy for you, but you get up over, yeah, you get in those 18, 20 mile runs at that point, you're beating yourself up and you have to really time. How much do you really want to keep doing that? So I've done my five, I've got the t-shirts. I'm done. I don't need marathons anymore. Good I'll do for you. Distances. I heard that the senior games were coming back to Tallahassee. Do they have distance running or any type of track event in that? I would be surprised if they don't because there are, because there are a lot of seniors who do run. In fact, I, uh, a few years ago, I saw the world record holder for the longest, the oldest marathon runner. And when I saw the record, he was 101. He'd only been running marathons for about 10 years 
And I understand he retired about two years later. Um, but distance runners typically peak in their 40s and 50s and maybe, yeah, probably in their 40s and 50s. If they're serious distance runners, they usually peak around that age group. So senior games, depends on what you mean by senior, but I'd be very surprised if there aren't some running things because there are some runners. I've got some patients who are runners and they are avid runners and they're older than me. They, uh, that's, uh, so I, I bet you there would be some running in there. Well, I'm just going to say good for you guys. <laughs> it's That's not for everybody. not going to be me. No, it's no. not for everybody. I'm worried about getting a flat tire and just walking to the gas station. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. So shifting again. Okay. My professional background includes the Florida Department of Emergency Management, where I worked with many storm chasers. Mm-hmm. We've learned that you are a weather enthusiast. I am. What's so fascinating about the weather to you? That's a great question. In fact, I just recently got an award at TPCA for I was the, I'm the weather I'm the hurricane for uh, tracker for TPCA. Um, I've been chasing i've been tracking hurricanes since i was a teenager in high school uh i think it probably comes from my dad my dad was in the navy so weather is a big deal when you're in the navy because it affects your life very greatly in a very big hurry uh and so he always taught me uh, weather things and i've always enjoyed it and um so i i think it's just uh, it, uh, you know some people have said gee have you missed your calling where you're supposed to be a weatherman oh no no and then it would work now it's fun you know, um, I just enjoy it because I can, I've learned a lot about it. And because we've lived in Florida and, uh, for a good chunk of my life. And so hurricanes are kind of a reality. They really happen. And, but even when we lived in Iceland, you know, I was tracking the hurricanes down in the U S and stuff like that. And I, it's just one of those things I really enjoy. Um, and you know, day-to-day weather is something I'm, I'm watching in the wintertime. I'm always fascinated to see how close the snow is going to get. I actually miss the snow a little bit. It's, if I had my way, I'd, we'd have one good six-inch snow once a year. I'd get out there and play in it, and then I'd mind shoveling it once a year. Iceland, yeah, we did a lot of shoveling snow. I, I can see how people up north get tired of it, but I miss it. Well, th- I would imagine the water and everything there is too cold for hurricanes, but what kind of weather disasters would they experience in Iceland? In Iceland? Um, I'll tell you one of the big things that you have to deal with is— um, is wind. Mm. They have an awful lot of wind. We were there for a little under three years and we did have a one windstorm that had a hundred mile an hour winds in this, in between Reykjavik and Keflavik. And so wind is a big problem. It blows people off their feet, especially if you're trying to walk on ice and you get a 50 mile an hour gust, it'll blow you on your keister pretty fast if you're not careful. So wind is a big problem. And with wind, add snow and you get blizzard and blizzards are life-threatening. Um, and they can come up pretty fast too. Uh, the weather is very hard to predict in Iceland because most of the world, you just, you know where the jet stream is and the jet stream, um, uh, can go a little North or a little South. And there's usually for us in Florida, there's a subtropical jet. So you can pretty much tell what the weather's going to be. It's going to march across from West to East pretty well, but you get in Iceland and sometimes those jet streams dive South and there's nothing steering them. They just kind of meander sometimes. Uh, so, uh, they said, there's a saying in Iceland, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute, uh, it's likely to change. Uh, our first day we had, we went from sunshine to rain, to ice pellets, to a little snow flurries all in one day. And 
So the, the big thing we taught our kids was if you're ever out on the playground and suddenly it's snowing so hard you can't see anything, I want you guys to call for each other, get everybody there, and sit out on the ground. Otherwise, the wind will blow them around. And then as soon as you see a light, you see anything, grab the kids, everybody hold hands and run for that light. I don't care which light it is, go for it. And if, it, if you suddenly can't see it anymore, just sit down again and just stay together. And then as soon as you get wherever you're going, call us because we're frantically looking for you. And um, so, and fortunately, they never had to do that. But we did have some blizzards where we couldn't see the car out in front of the house um, for a little while. And uh, one time we were almost stir crazy. We were in the house. It was one of those blizzard days. So we were snowed in and and uh, everybody was kind of getting nipping at each other and squabbling and all that. Uh, you can imagine four girls can get into a lot of squabbles. And I said, all right, everybody, put your coats on. Everybody looked at me like, what? And we put your coats on. We're going outside. They're like, okay, because they knew it was a blizzard out there. And so we went outside. We lived in a bunch of townhouses, and we just kind of followed along. We kept our hand on the, on the house all the way around. We went to the, out to the back, and there was these snow drifts. And right next to the building. So we were sitting there. We could reach out and touch the building. So we weren't going to get into trouble. I said, okay, so if you're out somewhere and you're in the snow, what do you do if you're stuck somewhere and it's going to be a while? I said, you can build up these snow. And we talked about things you can do and everything. And all, everybody just thought this was the greatest thing in the world. We were outside in the blizzard and, you know, we we're right outside the house. It wasn't like we were going anywhere, but it was, it was fun to talk about that. So wind and, um, and snow and blizzard type conditions. If we ever went on a trip, they always told us on the base, make sure you tell somebody where you're going and when you expect to be back. And because if you don't show up, there were two four-wheeling clubs there. They used to go out and try to get stuck all the time and pull each other out. But they would go after and find people if they didn't come back at the time they were supposed to because you were supposed to keep, you know, some extra clothing and some extra food in your vehicle in case you got blizzard out and just got into whiteout and couldn't get out anywhere. So it was a it was one of those things where weather was more than just an inconvenience. It could be life threatening if you didn't pay attention to it. Well, I might have to scratch Iceland off my. I would list. not recommend scratching it off your list. <laughs> it is one of the most beautiful places you'll ever be. It's clean. It's pristine. The people are nice. They if you're walking by them, you think they don't look nice because they don't talk when they walk by somebody. But if you stop and ask somebody, oh, they'll do anything for you. They're just really very friendly people and. The weather is amazingly beautiful when it's nice. And when it's not, you just wait a few minutes and, you know, it'll be nice again. You know, it doesn't take very long. You just have to pay attention to the weather and pay attention to the locals and, and let them tell you, uh, yeah, you don't want to do that. You know, we, we're going to go out and look at the water, but there's waterfalls and geysers and glaciers and, and uh, uh, beautiful things. There's old volcanoes that are out there. Some of them are still active and, just amazing stuff that you can see, and it's all fairly close to where you are. Um, but there was one time we were going to go out and look at all the beautiful waterfalls, and it was a wind chill of minus 30. And we mm -hmm. decided a museum in Reykjavik was probably a better idea. Yeah, So yeah. we just changed plans. You just have to be flexible and make sure people know where you're going when you're going. But they're beautiful people. You would really love it. It's a, it, I don't know anybody who goes there for vacation who doesn't come back just loving it. Okay. All right, you've changed my mind already. Just it's dress. back on the list. You just have to dress for it. Okay, I will. Shopping is always a good thing, so yes, I'll dress for it. Yeah, yeah. After I shop. That's right. <laughs> on this podcast, we always provide opportunities to recognize and celebrate birthdays with our listeners. Okay. By offering a fun story or birthday trivia. 
Tell us about your most fun or interesting birthday. Hmm, that is a tough one. I, I know you mentioned this before, and I, I'm like, birthdays? I usually try to ignore my birthdays. I remember, um, well, I went to the, um, one of my birthdays was on the, uh, I went into the Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah on my birthday. And so that was the beginning of a year and a half uh, long mission. And um, uh, three days later, we stopped we're not allowed to speak English anymore. So we were trying to speak Portuguese on day three. They, uh, but, um, but that was a very interesting day. Um, yeah, my birthdays usually tend to be like any other day. I try not to make a big deal out of them, but, um, um, but I, I have so many neat experiences that my, well, it's my birthday or not, whatever, you know, we don't do all the big celebration of my birthday. Can you think of anything, any birthday, I can't imagine you denying four daughters and your wife the opportunity to do something with you on your birthday. We do so much any other time. Can you remember, I'm checking my wife, can you remember anything that we did that was special for a birthday? I just remembering like last year we had, we just got cake and we invited all the family over and that was just, yeah, we had a lovely time. Yeah. Kind of how we... We get together as a family whenever we can. Uh, three of my daughters live here locally. And so even during the pandemic, um, except for a very short time when we were really not sure what was going on and it was not safe to get around, we stopped having church together. But for most of the time, our, our church stopped having church services and they said you could get together as, fa- as a family. And we felt comfortable with our daughters and the way they were keeping away from other people. There was some risk by doing it, but we felt pretty good about it. So we would have our family come over on Sunday and we would have church together. We had, we had a little uh, nursery for the kids and we'd take turns with the adults moving over there. We'd have um, sacrament meeting and we'd have Sunday school because we've all, many of us have served missions. We've all, a lot of us been in the church for a long time. So we could hold a pretty decent church service at home every Sunday. And we just, that's, you know, there's a lot of doctors who um, know a lot of doctors and a lot of the big wigs in town. They hobnob and rub shoulders. But when I'm done with my day, my social life is home. I go home, spend time with my wife. We have my daughter over once in a while. We'll have another daughter over. We'll usually get together on Sunday, have a meal. So those are the special times. So, you know, every time we have a birthday, there's usually a get together. It may not be on the birthday. But we usually spend enough time together. That's usually when everybody says happy birthday. And, you know, and, and again, it's not so much the birthday, it's being together as a family. That's what, that's what makes a different, big difference in the Morse household. Absolutely. Well, thanks for sure. sharing that. See, you do have yeah. fun oh, yeah. and interesting oh, yeah. It's Everybody's got one, and you know, we just use it as an excuse to get together. So, My key word is happiness. And my ideal state of being is to be happy. Before we close, please leave us with a few words of wisdom to help us live happy. Okay. Well, I think one of the most important things to being happy has nothing to do with what you have, but everything to do with gratitude for what you have. If you are happy, if you are grateful for what you have, it doesn't matter if you are a family living in a a little house with no electricity and a a fire for light in your home 
and you have a hole in the ceiling where the uh, smoke goes up, which we saw people in Brazil like that. Or if you are living in a mansion, if you're happy with what you have, if you're grateful what you have, you'll be happy. And this also goes back to what is your source of peace? Who is your source of peace? So I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you that I'm happy and I find great peace in my relationship with my with God and with um, uh, and with my understanding of His Son and all He did for me, and that makes it so that no matter what happens, no matter how bad the day is, no matter what's going on, COVID or you know lawsuits or unrest, I'm happy because I know who I believe in and I know that God has my back. And uh, with when you have that, it doesn't really matter what goes on. You can be happy. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I'm sure the listeners appreciate that. We all need to get peace in our life, and that will lead to happiness. Well, Dr. Morris, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I really, really thank you so much. And those of you who don't know it, she's right here, his wonderful wife, Janet. She's been very quiet, but I appreciate having Janet in here. It was very nice to see you as well. To learn more about Dr. William Morse and the Tallahassee Primary Care Associates, please visit www.tallahasseeprimarycare.com. Today's program was brought to you by Replay Fitness, Inc., helping women age 50 and older to retire happy and feel good again. Please send your emails to info at replayfitnessinc.com to join our waitlist and be informed when new sessions are open. If you are already subscribed to the Cup of Glow podcast, thank you. If you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes have been posted. Until next time, this has been the Cup of Glow podcast with Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva. It's about a decade and not a day.